This week on The Elucidators, we're back talking about the Wuhan coronavirus, which has now infected thousands and killed well over 100 people in China, while also starting to spread internationally. There's still a lot we don't know about the outbreak, but we're in a position to start answering some of the big questions listeners may have by now. What is this viral black swan event likely to mean for folks in the West? How about the rising superpower in China and its leader, Xi Jinping? And what about the global economy? Stay tuned, and we'll elucidate. Welcome to another episode of The Catastrophists. Just kidding. Another episode of The Elucidators. As always, I am your host, Steve Pally. With me, as always, is my co-host, Sumi Chatterjee. How are you doing, Sumi? Uh, I'm doing well. You sound both uh, a little bit subdued and also a little bit, let's say, uh, borderline out of it. What's cracking? Uh, yeah, man. Uh, I guess you just know my body, huh? I'm not sure I liked how that sounds. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I've got a coronavirus. Not a, uh, a joke to be making in these times. So please elaborate and dispel. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll elaborate. Uh, it's not the coronavirus. It's a coronavirus, the common cold. Okay. You know, we, we talked about this a little bit last week. Uh, basically, coronaviruses are a family virus that look like a spiky ball. You know, yeah, they're spiky balls and uh, they include such well-known viri as the common cold, SARS, MERS, and now NCOV 2019, novel coronavirus. Yeah, the world is still waiting to coalesce around a name for this thing because it's not going to be NCOV 2019 for long. No, nah, it doesn't roll off the tongue. Nah, some of social media's early uh, front runners include the Wuhan flu from its origins in the major central Chinese city of Wuhan. Mm-hmm. Another one is... Uh, Not influenza, but okay. Yeah. I've heard SARS-2. I don't think that's going to stick. <laughs> I feel like I feel like that's mad lazy. SARS part, duh. Yeah, like... It's it's kind of a generate anyway. SARS two I don't think is gonna work. SARS Junior. Well, the the hashtag that I saw once and it didn't pick up on Twitter was the Woo flu. <laughs> mm. That uh, it doesn't have legs. I'll put it that yeah. Way. Honestly, like people are just calling this thing the coronavirus, and I think that works. And uh, we're joking around. We make light of this. Uh, it's it's a bad situation. Wh- where do we stand with uh, coronavirus right now in in China and in general? So it's um, the numbers have jumped since last week, and we'll obviously talk about why that is. So according to uh, a Johns Hopkins uh, geospatial tracker, this model that we've been following online, we'll link. Sounds fancy. Yeah, I'll put it in less fancy words. A big school has made a map that shows where people have got this thing and where they're dying, and they put it on the interwebs. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, so it's this very cool thing. Uh, if it would be, I would be more excited about it if it weren't about such a tragic thing. Last week we were talking about uh, confirmed cases in the hundreds. Now we're pushing six thousand. We're at uh, fifty-five hundred and seventy-eight total confirmed cases, one hundred and thirty-one total deaths. And, and this is, I think, getting under-discussed, 107 recovered cases from the NCOV. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. 
Um, because, you know, with all the rumors flying around all over social media, once again, uh, shall we say irresponsible or bullshit reporting as well, uh, and just plain old fake news uh, out there. Mm -hmm. I think people are terrified. Um, you know, some people may think that this is uh, some kind of uh, bioweapon uh, that is, you know, fated to sweep the world of centers and initiate the rapture or something like that. Um, is that is that what's going on here? Yeah, um, I think that I want to underline what you just said, because it's an important thing. There is fake news, the political slogan that gets thrown around by leaders who don't like news stories. And then mm. there is actual fake news. There mm -hmm. is a real, real problem right now in an information sensitive environment, which is what this coronavirus situation is. Remember this thing last week when we were talking about it, we we're like, OK, well, there's cases in the hundreds. There's one case in the U.S. There's and all the other cases are restricted to certain parts of East Asia. Now mm -hmm. we're in the thousands just in China. We've got cases in Western Europe, in Canada. The case the case numbers have grown and there's all these rumors flying around and social media and some of them get picked up by less reputable but reputable sounding news sites. And I quote unquote news sites like uh the washington times for instance oh yeah man i had to i had to share that one and there's like the unification church's uh favorite uh, media outlet right like there's <laughs> there's just nonsense out there there's this rumor that it comes from chinese that it was contracted from someone eating a, a chinese bat that mm -hmm. that's how this happened because the coronaviruses come from animals there's mm -hmm. uh there's the the rumor out there that the Chinese government purchases chemicals and viruses from Canada to then manufacture bio bio warfare weapons. Uh -huh. And that one of these things sprung loose or they put it out in trial. It's, it's getting bad. And, you know, uh, we live in an age where again, the old saying in journalism is lies go around the world before the truth has a time to tie its shoes. Right. And mm -hmm. that's kind of where we're at when it comes to a lot of the f actual fake news surrounding the, the coronavirus. Yeah. So as it turns out, like, we don't need any sort of completely insane scenario like a, a loose bioweapon or a conspiracy theory or anything like that to explain what is happening right now. What is happening right now looks an awful lot like the SARS outbreak. Um, mm -hmm. and it's worse in some ways and actually better in some other ways. Right. Yeah. Um, so like SARS, this coronavirus seems to be descended from viruses that inhabited bats, right? It seems mm -hmm. to be another bat virus, uh, which is why human beings don't seem to have a lot of immunity to it. That's number right. one. Number two, um, it is probably more contagious than SARS. Um, it seems to have broken out a little bit further and faster than SARS. Mm -hmm. um, although we don't know the particulars of how each virus respectively sort of blew out in China. SARS kind of headlined or, or maxed out at about 8,000 cases in 2003. And we're already up to 6,000 cases here yeah. in 2020. Yep. And there's reason to believe that that's a low count mm -hmm. um, because the gestation period, the period during which people might be sick with this coronavirus and show no symptoms seems to be a little bit longer than SARS was. Um, I've heard uh, generally anywhere from seven to 14 days 
before symptoms show up for this coronavirus. Right. Uh, on the good news side of the ledger, this seems to be a lot less deadly than SARS was. So SARS killed about 10% of the people that contracted it. And so far, this coronavirus is at about 2 to 3%. So it might go wide, uh, and it might end up killing a lot of people because it goes wide. But if you get this thing, odds are you're going to be okay, unless you already have a, you know, something else going on, basically. Sure. If you are in poor health for any number of reasons, age, pre-existing conditions, whatever, you're obviously going to be more susceptible to this thing doing real damage to you. Yeah. So you should wash your hands even more. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's real quick do those. Yeah. Wash your hands, wash your hands consistently. If you wear a mask that uh, might, might help you from, from spreading a sickness, it does not prohibit uh you contracting sicknesses mm -hmm. so the rush on medical masks when i go to campus i see lots of students wearing medical masks yesterday oh for real yeah lots of chinese students or students in general i don't see race or nationality <laughs> <laughs> this is ucla there are a lot of chinese national students there well you see a lot of students and also on the bus like because uh, i get stories on the bus uh yeah, you see a lot of folks wearing medical masks, and there's all these stories out there also on social media about uh, shortages, if not, you know, the CVSs and Walgreens of the world being completely out of medical masks. Those help somewhat, but not really. The big thing is keeping clean, washing your hands. And don't touch your face. <laughs> yeah, don't, yeah. Cough into your elbow. All that stuff that if you have ever been around a kindergartner in this century that they teach kids, mm -hmm. do that stuff. But you you brought up a really important point about going wide. When you say if this thing goes wide, what does that mean? Well, so right now, here's the other thing. Um, a lot of our, our listenership is in the United States, some in Europe. Cambodia, you're dead to us. <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure where Cambodia stands. Uh, we had some, some Chinese listeners as well last week. Uh, welcome, Chinese listeners. I wish uh, you had come in under more favorable circumstances. If you're in China... Definitely avoid large groups of people, especially if you're in Wuhan. <laughs> but even in some of the larger cities, um, if you're in China, you're probably, you know, hearing messages on loudspeakers uh, that you should avoid, you know, public spaces. Um, that's a good idea. And then maintain hygiene. If you're in the United States, go about your business, right? Yeah. Uh, there are five cases, five confirmed cases of the coronavirus here in the United States in various cities. Uh, these people are hospitalized in isolation wards. They're being taken care of. And there's another, I think, 100 people that are being monitored actively and tested for the coronavirus. That's right. And the public health, various government, governmental public health apparatus in the U.S. have stepped up. Last week when we recorded, we said it was three airports in which monitoring was going on. Then it quickly became five. And now we're at 20 uh, yeah. 20 U.S. airports where there is monitoring happening. It turns out the uh, the federal government in this country is still capable of acting uh, in, in an emergency, and it is doing so. And there's no reason to think right now, at time of recording, which is Tuesday evening, uh, January 28th, that the coronavirus is established in North America or anything like that. In addition, um, flights have been suspended for a lot of carriers, uh, including United, uh, to and from China. And it seems like uh, that may be a cascading effect 
Uh, in addition, the CDC has recommended that Americans cancel uh, all non-essential travel to China. Yeah. Um, so this is this is serious, but there's no reason to panic if if you're in the United States. In fact, the uh, the flu season is uh, more dangerous right now than, than is the coronavirus. Absolutely. As someone who works at a university during the flu season, which, by the way, I think now runs like late summer to early spring. So it's seasons. Um, more than half Americans don't get the flu vaccine. Please get the flu vaccine. I get it. I always get it. Anyway, that's number one. Number yeah. two, you're talking about American government and how its public health uh, apparatus apparatus can respond to this. Mm. There's kind of these stories being batted around about, oh, well, both Obama and Trump, both their administrations cut public health spending on these things. Obama at the NSC, the National Security Council, which is sort of the, the it's the White House deliberative body that makes foreign policy. Under Obama, mm. it grew to a gigantic extent. Uh, there was actually someone there that was meant to deal with these kinds of outbreaks at the mm -hmm. NSC level, mostly because of uh, the 2015 Ebola outbreak. Sure. But Trump has cut this. Nonetheless, we're still doing as a society pretty well on these things. Mm -hmm. And there is the greater point that has to be made. Everyone needs to calm down and wait because we don't know what this is yet. We don't know what it is. It hasn't been explicitly verified where it's come from. We don't know, to use your terms, which is a good one, I, I think, how wide it might go. And mm -hmm. we're talking about, what is it, Steve, like three to six months uh, for a vaccine to get manufactured on this thing? Right. So the CDC has started a crash vaccine program, and they think they can get a vaccine going in, in three months. Like, to be clear, coronaviruses are not like some kind of crazy virus from space, right? We've dealt with these before. They're not perfectly well understood, and this particular version is not perfectly well understood, but it does share 80% of its DNA with SARS. And it's been 17 or 18 years since SARS uh, where we've developed our biotech to a very large degree. Uh, so I'm actually pretty optimistic that our scientists will be able to figure this one out pretty quick and get it going. Of course, three months can be an eternity when you're dealing with a pandemic. We're not in a pandemic status yet. The World Health Organization has not called a pandemic, which means this is established throughout the world in many different large countries. Right now, it's largely a Chinese phenomenon. And it looks like some East Asian countries are also going to get hit to varying degrees. Yeah. Um, but we don't know by how much. And that's where the state of play is. Like you said, there's a lot of unknowns about the characteristics of this virus. We don't know how long that sort of symptomless period lasts. And we don't know how contagious people are during that symptomless period, right? If you think about it, the real dangerous combination is people walking around not knowing they're sick while also being contagious, right? That's super dangerous. But that would be like completely unprecedented for this type of viral outbreak. It's almost always been the case, or I think literally always been the case, that when you have a viral outbreak, the viri, the particles, actually need to be in droplets, aerosol droplets, in order to spread. People need to be coughing and sneezing. They need to be symptomatic. Um, otherwise, the virus doesn't really exit the body 
very effectively at all. It doesn't end up on surfaces and nobody coughs in your face, right? You know, there's a big disagreement actually between Chinese and American scientists on this sort of uh, score. The Chinese have said there's evidence that this coronavirus can spread uh, asymptomatically, but the Americans haven't seen the data, don't believe it, and have said that would be completely unprecedented and doesn't fundamentally doesn't make sense given what we know about the biology of how the, these viruses work. So that's a really important unknown that should become more clear uh, in the coming weeks. As a species, as in different societies, we've never been more scientifically advanced than we are right now. Yeah, and we've never been more connected either, right? <laughs> Absolutely not. That's right, that's right. We <laughs> Such a bummer. Been, we haven't been more connected. Like, this, this should be said as well. Like, China during SARS there's not nearly the amount of connectivity uh, that there is now. Hundreds mm -hmm. of thousands of, of flights, uh, sorry, hundreds of thousands of people before this outbreak are coming in and out of China every day. So mm -hmm. yes, China's still an ocean away from the United States, but in many ways we are borderless with China. And yeah. that is not, well, transition now I think is a good point to talk about what this means for China. So mm. this is clearly not a good scene domestically for China. And in previous episodes, we've talked about tough times for Xi Jinping, both domestically as well as with uh, regional disputes, Hong Kong, Taiwan. Domestically, we talked about the problems with Xinjiang. We've talked about mm -hmm. the ongoing um, trade war with the United States and how it's hurt uh, the Chinese economy more than the U.S. We talked about these things quite a bit in the past. But this kind of shock to the system, it's not good. You know, Wuhan, the whole area is under an umbrella and it's shut down. This is a major city economically in China. Yeah. Now, we watched the video of this dude basically putting on two masks and a pair of swim goggles to go outside and go shopping. And he goes outside in this Chinese megacity and he's like, uh, the, the roads are just deserted. There's like a couple people on bicycles and like one car going past. And he's like, this is a, let's see here. He counts the lanes. He's like, this is a 10 lane road that is usually choked with traffic. And currently under, under current circumstances with the uh, quarantine, if you're caught driving, they will find you and possibly confiscate your car. So whoever's driving right now better have a really good reason. <laughs> it's just completely deserted. And this is like, we call Wuhan the Chicago of China. It's a big, important city in China, but it's 11 million people, which actually means it's the size of New York City or Los Angeles, right? It, it would be our biggest city. It's the size of London, and it's just completely deserted and shut down. Yeah, I mean, to, to talk just another moment about this video, this British gentleman, I believe he's a teacher in Wuhan, when he hits the streets to go to the grocery store, he's taking his biggest rolly suitcase it looks like your zombie apocalypse movie or it, dude, it looks like the part in 28 days later after Killian Murphy wakes up from his coma, not knowing that a zombie apocalypse is on and just hits the streets and is like, what, where is everybody? It is, it is a bizarre scene to look at, but yeah. let's, let's take Wuhan and the, the travel restrictions and movement restrictions that yeah. are go that are going on there. And let's extrapolate that out to the rest of China. Let's broaden our scope. What's going on? What does this mean for greater China, Steve? Yeah, so our understanding is that the virus is now established in like 20 or 22 major cities. And so all of these different megacities in China, uh, so Shanghai, Beijing, 
uh, Shenzhen, Guangzhou, right? All of these places that have like a minimum of like 10 million people, <laughs> and in some cases up to 40 million people, um, are shut down or getting shut down to various degrees. The thing is, it's a Lunar New Year right now, right? Which is China's biggest holiday, and it usually lasts for some time, during which time things shut down anyway. So there hasn't been that much of an additional disruption. But Xi Jinping's government has called an additional, I think, three or four day period to tack on to the end of the Lunar New Year. So it's going to be extended. And then some localities, including Shanghai, have decided to extend that even further. So Shanghai is saying, forget three or four extra days, take an extra 10 days where it's just a federal holiday and nobody does anything and uh, don't go anywhere. That's Shanghai. That's 25 million people, right? Hey, Steve, what else is in Shanghai that matters to, you know, investors all over the world? I suppose that would be uh, the major uh, stock index in China, right? Yeah, man. The the Shanghai Composite Index is mm. shut down. This is one of the four, five, six biggest stock indexes in the world. It is shut down. Mm -hmm. And it's going to stay that way for a while, right? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, folks, stocks are a little bit... Uh, inaccessible to people like okay the market's closed when it opens back up fine it'll it'll be okay and for folks that watch stocks in the u.s uh open on monday they were way down from the friday close so you say okay mm -hmm. but these things are kind of inaccessible you had a really good example of an accessible economic version an accessible metric yeah yeah <laughs> absolutely all right how about this one i got an accessible metric for you so there are 4100 starbucks stores in China. Pause. Did not know there were more than 4,000 Starbucks in China till you told me that. That blew yeah, my mind. Yeah, 4,100. That's a lot of Starbucks. Yeah, it's a lot of Starbucks for a very large country. And uh, guess how many of those Starbucks locations are ha have been closed effective immediately? I, I My initial guess was about 250. Mm, it's going to be north of that. Try again. We're, we're up to uh, 2,000 store closures. So Starbucks has closed half its stores <laughs> in all of China. <laughs> and it would not surprise me to see that number go to 3,000 stores and then maybe 4,000 stores, depending on how this goes. But so the Chinese are even crankier, right? Because they have no access to frappuccinos and all the other you know amenities of modern life that we've gotten used to. The Chinese are now in these major cities, at least, middle class and wealthy, just as wealthy as where we are here in Los Angeles, uh, a lot of them. And they have no access to Starbucks, man. Like, it's bullshit. Forget it. I, a friend of mine went to China recently and sent me photos from one of the, like, super bougie, nice Starbucks. Like, they have, like, Starbucks Deluxe. This mm -hmm. thing had the biggest coffee roaster I've ever seen. This roaster had to be three stories. It's like a three-story roaster. <laughs> yeah, it was unreal. Uh, that's number one. Number two... Quick aside, our boy Howard Schultz is not having a good time. He had no, an man. embarrassing, like, let me see if I might run for president. I'm going to do like a feelings book tour. And it went like... Thumbs down for producer Pete there. Big thumbs down. Yeah. yeah. Well, he hired all these veteran Republican and Democratic... Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Thieves who took, <laughs> who took all his money. They didn't have to do that much. He's a dumbass. Well, I mean... 
okay, if if political consultants were worth shit, they would have like been able to package this guy who's actually got a compelling story and has been a successful businessman. Ah oh, man, have you ever have you ever heard that guy talk? Forget about it. Okay, he's not charismatic, but the dude had something. And they took this dude's money, and now he's looking at, well, 2020, let's turn the page. I got to close half my stores in China? Come on. Not good. Not a good look. Yeah, so <clears throat> China is going to be disrupted, right? We know that much for sure. We don't know by for how long and by how much. Uh, I've read a very optimistic assessment stating that uh, this virus is going to peak in like 10 days, and then we'll be on the downslope, and we're going to be okay. Uh, I have read somewhat less optimistic assessments saying, oh, it's going to take at least six months to come out from under this. And uh, we might end up with like deaths in the tens of thousands, potentially even the hundreds of thousands, which I think is probably wrong. But uh, that's a massive disruption, right? So let me ask you this question. What happens when the number two economy in the world and the number one workshop of the world manufactures yeah. everything? Yeah. just goes offline for maybe six months. What happens? It's it's not good. Like based on accepting the premise that that's going to happen, and it could happen. Yeah, it could no, totally there, happen. There's lots of indications. Look, we say be measured on what this virus could be and what it could mean for various societies. Well, there's one society that means something for immediately, and that's China. Yeah, and China's going to get hit, hit the worst. We know that for sure. Absolutely, China's getting hit. The stock market's closed. If this extends, if if the continued quarantines continue and they happen to engulf other industries besides finance and just general people in the streets, it's going to be bad for China's economic bottom line. SARS mm -hmm. was bad for China's bottom line. Uh, it, it's not going well. Again, to go back to uh, tr to trying to figure out what the hell is actually happening there. <laughs> you have you have various reports saying like uh look the chinese premier uh went to wuhan and led these clearly spontaneous cheers of like wuhan let's go and people responded <laughs> there's and there's these videos of folks in apartment towers in wuhan chanting wuhan let's go uh back and forth at each other and that's it's heartwarming and you hope that that's the case but then you also see these stories of Chinese on social media, absolutely despondent and uh -huh. aggravated to say the least. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of censors on the Chinese internet, and especially Chinese social media. And so you can't directly criticize Xi Jinping, the the you know, emperor of China. I call him the red emperor. He's he's technically the premier or whatever. Em yeah, Emperor for Life, Xi Jinping, this guy. Well, that gentleman definitely has a sense of humor about nicknames, so this is going to be good for our Chinese listeners. No, I'm already well aware that I'm, <laughs> I'm barred from China for life. That's fine, um, especially right now. Which might be a good policy <laughs> for the moment, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah for, for, ne for the foreseeable future. Anyway, so you can't criticize Xi Jinping. You can't use his name in a negative way on social media. So people have obliquely began referring to him as Trump. And they're telling everybody how much they hate Trump, <laughs> which is pretty funny, if you ask me. That's not bad. That's pretty that's not bad. That's pretty solid. So, you know, Chinese folk have a sense of humor, e even in the face of uh, overwhelming uh, uh, sadness. <laughs> Look, we're saying we're still figuring this thing out. There's lots of potential real big, real bad downsides for China. One of them that you and I have talked about uh, on and off the air for 
months, years now, is what's happening in Xinjiang. We talked a little bit about it last mm. week. Xinjiang is a ma- geographically massive uh, region, mineral-rich region in the northwest of China. It's predominantly Muslim and ostensibly to fight the onset of Islamic terrorists or anti-government movements. More than a million uh, Uyghurs, that's the ethnic group in Xinjiang, have mm-hmm. been... Uyghur Muslims, yeah. Yeah, the Uyghur Muslims, the Chinese Uyghur Muslims are in uh, re-education camps. Up to a million of them. Yeah, and now there are confirmed cases of the coronavirus in Xinjiang. And one of these one of the, one of these really scary situations is Jesus like the the videos like they've let in some western media into the sort of sanitized uh camps like there's the, the Potemkin villages. <laughs> yeah, the, absolutely. The Potemkin villages like and even the Potemkin villages are like yo you you're sleeping like eight to these like four cement bunks that's not okay. But the idea, Jesus, there's a, a million people in these really compact, really dense, not very clean re-education camps. If the virus breaks in there, God help us. That's Yeah, that would be a disaster and a human tragedy above and beyond what's already happening there, yeah. which is a disaster and a human tragedy and a, frankly a crime against humanity. Let's just call it what it is. Yeah, uh, the opposite of quarantine is uh, a concentration camp. And that's kind of what those places are, right? Not to put too fine a point on it. Well, no, at the intersection intersection of a uh, of a spreading virus and quote reeducation camps unquote at, at that intersection, there's a high potential for real human tragedy, and we can't understate it. Like that is something to be scared about, for for sure. So you know, we don't know how that's going to shake out. Getting back to Xi Jinping for a second, here's the thing about Xi Jinping, and I, we talked about this a little bit, including last week and in uh, prior episodes dealing with Hong Kong. He owns 100% of what happens in China. He has 100% of the power and also 100% of the responsibility. And that's kind of a dangerous combination considering that he doesn't actually have that much power on a local level because China is so big, right? He delegates a lot of authority to sort of local party bosses, including people like the mayor of Wuhan, which is a very big and powerful city, right? So if we think about the local government in Wuhan, the Chicago of China, we can kind of assume that maybe it has the uh, the, the level of expertise and uh, honesty of the uh, government of Chicago here in the United States, right? To your point, though, about Wuhan and delegating authority, when was it that the first actual cases of the coronavirus started to pop up in the Wuhan area. Dude, like, uh, apparently it was in early December. Yeah, like December 8th, 9th, 10th. Yeah, uh, quite quite a while before this made it to the central government or to the international media, right? <laughs> like, weeks beforehand, during which time, if the mayor of Wuhan had done a decent job figuring this out and cracking down quickly, they could have probably nipped this in the bud. We're well past that now, obviously, and people are pissed off at Xi Jinping. But the thing is, he's set up a situation where power is absolute when he's paying attention and delegated when he's not paying attention. (laughs) That's number one. Number two, people are terrified of him and they don't want to give him bad news, right? So it's pretty obvious that this chucklehead 
in Wuhan, the mayor of Wuhan, whatever this guy's name is, decided, eh, this isn't a big deal. Uh, it'll, it'll just blow over, and it doesn't need to rise to Chairman Xi's attention because I might get in trouble. Well, guess what? Now he's in big trouble, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely he's in big trouble because, to your point, Steve, you know, we keep saying Wuhan's a big city, and you keep putting the, the metaphor forward of it's the analogy forward of the Chicago of China, the Chicago of China. And it's good to remember because in those intervening weeks from December 8th, 9th, 10th until what, like early January that month, mm. how many millions of people passed through Wuhan? Like this is one of the reasons why you're seeing so many cases all over China. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, but I can tell you that I think 5 million of Wuhan's 14 million residents in greater Wuhan left for the Lunar New Year before the quarantine Jesus. was established. <laughs> and that was after the virus had had some time to bake in Wuhan, right? So these people went all over China. Um, so China, unfortunately, and, you know, I feel terrible for our Chinese listeners. Um, it's it, it seems to be kind of like a viral time bomb at this point, And there's going to have to be drastic measures taken. Uh, which will be taken, I'm sure. Again, I'm going to call back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier. This is going to take China offline for some period of months, most likely. And I can easily see this causing a global recession. Um, this is exactly the type of black swan event. So unlikely, but you know, crazy magnitude event that nobody sees coming. Uh, that could cause a global recession because nobody has priced this into the market. Nobody predicted anything like this, even though we've had experience with SARS, right? By all accounts, this looks like it could be bigger for China. And China is now bigger for the entire world. It's more important to the entire world than it was at that point. So those two things combined add up to me to a threat to like the global economy. Yeah, it's uh it's a really tough thing to to try and wrap your mind around. Like this thing happens, there's there's lots of folks getting sick, but you say, okay, well, if there's 5,500 coming on 6,000 folks infected, most of whom are in mainland China, China's well over a billion people. This shouldn't, you know, 5,000 Chinese shouldn't derail the whole country. The reality is... It's the reaction to it. <laughs> that's right. And what needs to be done to stop it. That's right. It is the reaction that we don't consider it is the big reaction to try and contain this thing. And there is the question of how far spread is this thing in China? There's a reason why in a week we went from it's a couple hundred, it's in the hundreds to several thousand, even mm -hmm. though the Chinese have known about it for more than a month. Yeah. And next week it could be a couple thousand to a couple hundred thousand. And, yeah. and that could be a low count again. So we, we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. You know what? We're going to leave it right there. And uh, we're going to continue monitoring the situation because, man, like we're learning new stuff about this all the time, just like everybody else. And uh, we're going to keep talking about it. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Everybody stay safe. Um, again, if you live in the United States, don't worry about this too much. Worry about the flu because it's actually way more dangerous than this. And I, I, I want to reiterate that. <laughs> And uh, get your news from actual sources, not... Like the elucidators. Yeah, and the dum-dums on Twitter and Facebook. Like, you know, just exercise some judgment. Nah, man, podcast life. And with that, we out. Later, Steve. Later.